You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 220 of Podcateers. Halloween time is coming to the Disney parks, and we were surprised to see some additions to Buena Vista Street at California Adventure. Plus, we talk about the rides and areas we would like to create a Halloween overlay for. Also, as of this episode, we have officially said goodbye to Pixar Fest and Bugs Land at California Adventure. I know that it was totally a land for kids, and I'm excited about the new stuff that's coming to the area. But if you want to share something that you're going to miss about Bugs Land, leave a comment and we'll read them in an upcoming episode. Finally, we discussed Disney's decision to bring alcohol to Disneyland for the first time ever since the park opened. Remember that if you want to sound off on this or anything that we talk about, you can join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. Before we get this episode started, I'd like to remind you that this episode of Podcateers was made possible by the contributions of listeners just like you via Patreon. To us, those listeners are our fairy godparents, but they like to call themselves the FGP Squad. You can become part of the FGP Squad for as little as $1 a month, but for a contribution of at least $5, you can also get the exclusive fairy godparent button as a thank you for your support. More information about joining the FGP squad can be found over at podcateers.com FGP. As always, a huge thank you goes out to the members of the FGP squad. If you want to connect with us, check out our team page over at podcateers.com team. Also, make sure to check out our videos on YouTube. We're at youtube.com slash podcateers and youtube.com slash Disney for two. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and ring that bell for notifications whenever we post new videos. Finally, I want to send a quick shout out to our friends over at the Die Hard Disney Nuts Facebook group. It's a great community of people and they're always super supportive of the podcast. If you're not a member, we'll put a link in the blog post for the episode in case you want to go check it out and join. You'll be able to find that over at podcateers.com slash 220. That's it. Here we go. It's time to get it started. Here is episode 220 of Podcateers. So good morning. morning. Yes, good morning. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm sipping coffee. Yeah, I know it's afternoon already, guys, but still. (laughs) My body still says good morning. And it also says, hey, why are you up so early? (laughs) And I know, I know it's technically past noon already, but my body's still like, hey, why are you up so early? Shouldn't you still be sleeping? (laughs) And then I tell my body, because I have kids. And the kids get up so early that I got to be up so that they don't wreck the house. (laughs) (laughs) How early do your kids get up? Um, I mean, it really depends. If it's a school day, they try to get up as late as possible. But on the weekends, you know, 6 a.m. because they're not going to school. Jeez. (laughs) Jeez, Louise. Uh, Yeah, I would say it differs depending on what we did the night before. Sometimes they'll get up somewhere between 8 and 9 o'clock. And if they went to sleep at their normal bedtime, then probably somewhere between 6.30 and 7.30 is their normal time to wake up. So once they get up, 
I mean, one of us has to be up, you know, because mm-hmm. quite frankly, if we're not, they will destroy the house, just playing around and stuff. On those rare occasions that I get a chance to wake up and the boys are still asleep, I'll make myself a cup of coffee, grab myself, you know, something to read, and I'll just sit at a window, let the fresh air come in, and I'll just sit there and read, or I'll just sit there and not read and just enjoy my cup of coffee, play some music softly. It's fantastic. Nice. It's wonderful (laughs) me time. I don't get a lot of that, but... Darn it if I don't cherish that me time now. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> totally. Uh, so how's it going, guys? Good, good. Yeah? It's very good. I uh, I saw this text message from you, Gavin, about some stuff you saw at the park, and I was really intrigued, except that, you know, text messaging videos don't always come through at the highest quality because compression and all that stuff, hashtag technology. <laughs> Um, tell us a little bit about that because when you posted that message, then Melissa got super excited and said she had a follow up. So I want to hear a little bit about (laughs) what you guys saw. All right. Well, the short little five second video that I was able to get, uh, was very low quality. I agree. And a lot of that was because I was trying to do it right when the park was closing and, you know, throngs of people were trying to walk by this thing that I was trying to video. So I just had a small window. Uh, to video this window and <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> what it is you know pixar fest is winding down and they're starting to crank up the halloween season already and it's true uh in dca the most right now uh, and especially on buena vista street you're seeing lots of pumpkins and things come in and it's getting me super excited and so on our way out i spotted this window and I about lost it, and I had to go video it, so I did. And what it is, it's a, it's a new window display on Buena Vista Street, and it's animated, and it's a black and white scene of a 1920s, 30s era Mickey Mouse in a haunted house, and two little ghost shadows are popping in and out on either side, and <laughs> it just has that great nostalgic, old-school Mickey feel, and it is absolutely perfect for Halloween time. And it, it just got me so excited because I thought, okay, this is just one window. They're surely going to do more things like this. And I can't wait to see what rolls out. That's awesome. Yes. It's very <laughs> exciting. And when I had seen that video footage, you know, it looked cool mm-hmm. for some of us who see the parks, go to the parks. We could pick up when something's brand new Mm -hmm. so when i saw your video i'm like this is cool so the first park i go to is dca and i saw your window oh my god (laughs) video doesn't do justice then i see the next window there's more (gasps) yes it is from my favorite silly symphony cartoon (gasps) the skeleton dance shut up no. Which doesn't get en- <laughs> enough love. It doesn't. So this w- this window has the two skeletons. They're dancing. They're twirling. And you have Mickey on the end that looks terrified. But you know Mickey's not in the short. But to see both of them together is awesome. Oh, wait a second. Yes. So the, the first window that you saw, Gavin, mm-hmm. was it also a silly symphony? I think that is a Silly Symphony cartoon. Uh, 
I, I have a hard time because I don't own all the Silly Symphony cartoons, so I don't know which ones were specifically Silly Symphonies. So, but I feel like it is. It's one of it, the haunted house ones. They did a lot of haunted house ones throughout the years. Yeah, it it looks like the same similar style, and the way that it's presented, it's mm-hmm. right next to each other. Yeah. So I'm assuming yes, but well, the cool thing is that in Buena Vista Street, they can actually do period displays that would have been contemporary cartoons from the era of that very street, which is the late 20s and 30s in L.A. And that's amazing. You know, they can't do that on Main Street because there was no Disney in 1900. Yeah. And and that's a cool, cool thing. And I'm so glad that they're paying homage to those classic cartoons. You know, those of us who are just Disney heads absolutely love, especially all the early Mickey cartoons. Uh, but right. then also all the silly symphonies and man, oh man, that that gets me excited. I hope they do more. I want to know what's the next window. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just really, I love, I love Halloween. Yes. For those who know me, I love Halloween. So I'm really excited to see this happening, to see one of Vista Street, just DCA gets so much more love for Halloween. Mm-hmm. From when it started, this is amazing. So yeah. I'm excited. I just want to know if we're going to get some Skeleton Dance merchandise. Ooh. That would be good. <laughs> that would <Hopefully>. be good. <laughs> That's interesting that that they're doing that. I love the fa- Okay, so I will say I absolutely love the fact that they're doing that because the windows at the Emporium on Main Street are one of my favorite features of mm-hmm. that Main Street facade. With mm-hmm. that said, you're right, Gavin. The fact that they're integrating stuff from very early Disney times, super cool. The fact that Mickey is in both of those windows and he's not part of the skeleton dance makes it a little odd. So I wonder if it's going to be like every window, Mickey is kind of going through mm-hmm. each window, experiencing each silly symphony, if that's the trend that they're going with. Nice. But I wonder if the first one, because they're keeping with a Halloween theme, if the first one is based on Hell's Bells or if it's mm-hmm. based on any other Silly Symphony, just to kind of go with the Halloween stuff. And if after Halloween they're going to change them to their permanent window status. Like right. if this is just a, uh, a Halloween thing or if they are keeping with the Silly Symphony trend. Because hmm. you would you would figure that if it was uh, um, like the lineage of Silly Symphonies, the Skeleton Dance would have been the first window to put up considering that was the first Silly Symphony. Right. Yeah, man, I'm, now I'm just so excited to go see them. I'm hoping to <laughs> go to the park tonight um, nice. because tomorrow is the third, right? Tomorrow's officially the last day of, of yeah. Pixar Fest. Yeah. Right. So yep. I'm hoping to go tonight to just get some photos. Hopefully Bugs Land and the the uh, fireworks show one last time. Because, you know, who knows when I'm going to need that specific photo of, remember that bottle cap and that hidden Mickey that was on there? It was like, does anybody have a photo <laughs> of that? Where was that? And I want to be like, <laughs> I have that photo. <laughs> because you know, uh, I think at this point my my entire catalog is just over sixty thousand photos, and Jeez who doesn't Louise. need a super slow uh, archive of photos in Lightroom? <laughs> this guy, <laughs> that's who. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I want to try to get some photos just, you know, like, like I said, just for posterity's sake. And one day when I'm looking back at all of this, I want to remember the details as best as possible. And you never know when those things are helpful, right? Mm-hmm. But for sure, I want to try to head down and then I want to see these windows and they already started putting up like the tree and everything in front of DCA, right? The, the haunted tree uh, the, with Ogie and stuff like that? Didn't yeah, they start the putting sign that above the gate has yeah. already been mostly installed. Yeah, the stump, as it <laughs> yeah. looks the right stump. now. Because <laughs> uh, I remember you also sent a text message, Gavin, when you were there a couple days ago that pretty much all the Pixar Fest banners are down already. Well, the sign above the DCA entrance had been taken down. All the Esplanade banners and Downtown Disney banners are still up. Oh, so it's literally just where they build Oogie and the tree with the big yes. moon over the DCA. Correct. Okay, gotcha, Correct. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Woo, I'm excited to see those windows, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to flip. It's, <sighs> it's really cool. And the best part is that they're actually kind of simple. Mm-hmm. But it works compared to the ones at the Emporium. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and are they it, more? 2D? It's in keeping. Yeah. Yeah. They look. They look more like they're two D, like dioramas. Oh. And yes. Yeah. It's more in keeping with the look and feel of those cartoons, and it's it really is a very good homage or tribute to those cartoons because it looks like them. It just looks like there's a little bit more dimension. It's almost like you're up close to a multiplane and you can just see that, you know, the background element is further back, you know, right. oh but it does God. look 2d. Yeah. I love it. I, uh, I want to go right it's now. Cool. Can we stop recording <laughs> just so I can go? <laughs> oh, <Sure. okay. laughs> Twist our arms. <laughs> Super cool. Well, once I head down there, I'm going to try to do video of whatever it's there. And then I will post it, or one of us, when, when we go again, we could post it to the Instagram stories, IGTV, or on YouTube so you guys can check it out because that just sounds super cool. Um, yeah, Pixar Fest is ending. All the Halloween stuff is happening. Uh, how much of the Halloween stuff is at DCA already, aside from the pumpkins? I mean, really, it's just along Buena Vista Street. They've got some pumpkins and decorations in windows and on shelves in stores and then those couple of window displays. I don't think they've done anything in the hub where the Headless Horseman is yet. Oh, okay. And nothing in Cars Land yet. And I'm excited for that. We don't know if there will be any new areas decorated. I hope so. I think there are some areas that could be really cool. But I haven't heard any actual news i mean of course a lot of it they like to just surprise us with like these windows they didn't announce hey we're doing new animated windows they just do it and then people like me fall over dead yeah and (laughs) i'll tell you the truth man when when stuff like this happens where we don't hear weeks in advance like the rumor mill says that blah 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 is happening and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden this stuff just pops up I personally, I appreciate it so much more and I enjoy it so much more because I, I'm not looking for it and I'm, I don't have an expectation for it because I've been hearing about it for so long, which uh, for a long time, and this kind of gets into, you know, the roots of the podcast. A lot of people have asked me over time, why don't you guys report on all these rumors? 
and we do occasionally report on the rumors, but we always state it as that. We always say, well, this is just a rumor, and we just thought it was right. interesting because, and then we'll give our take on it. But mm-hmm. we don't report on rumors because, one, we don't know if it's factual, and even if it's coming from this amazing source that, yes, you know, they've never been wrong and all that stuff – in a way, we don't fully feel that it's our place to spoil that stuff before it happens. Like, once it's out in public, whole different story, right? Yes. Then right. then we could fully talk about it and stuff like this, like these windows. But I personally feel like I appreciate stuff more when it surprises me. And I don't know six months in advance, oh, these, well, they've been talking about these windows, guys. They said there's this silly symphonies or, or whatever they're going to be, you know? So... In case you guys have ever wondered and you guys are new to the podcast why we don't tend to report on rumors and just state them as fact or why we don't, you know, address them every week, that's why. You know, because we like mm-hmm. to be surprised too. Over anything else, we're Disney fans just like you guys. And we love to see this stuff in the parks and we love what Imagineering does. And, you know, that's that's kind of why I feel personally, you know, we've stood by that over the years. So, yeah, there's a little... There's a little background and some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff for you guys. Well said. Can I start a rumor? Yeah, let's start a rumor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here's my rumor. It's not a rumor. It's an idea I have, and I would love it to come to fruition. What if they took the area in DCA around Grizzly Peak, the main path and then the path kind of behind the scenes there, and made it like a creepy area with maybe some extra fog and some lighting yes. and some sounds. Kind of like what yes, they do please. in uh, Disneyland during Mickey's Halloween party in certain areas. Especially the Big Thunder Mountain Trail. When you go back there, oh, it's yeah. super creepy and foggy. Yes. They could do that <laughs> so perfectly in that Grizzly River Run area. And especially that <gasps> back trail. And man... Uh, that could be a really neat area <gasps> if they wanted to do it. Dude. What? 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 <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Brain's cranking here. Brain's cranking. Here we go. You ready for this? Oh, go. okay. All right. I got two huge ideas. Oh, dude. Okay. One, bunch of fog, right? You're mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. the forest. You hear all these creepy sounds. And then all of a sudden you hear clip clop, clip clop, clip clop. Uh, and in the distance <gasps> you see the glowing eyes of not one but two creatures and as it slowly approaches you you see that it's the headless horseman nice. coming to you in the forest huh and then he chucks oh. a flaming pumpkin at your face and then you run and then you run <laughs> to the opposite direction and then you hear all this chanting and then you're wondering well what is that what is that chanting that I hear? And as the fog begins to clear, you see the Sanderson sisters <laughs> conjuring <gasps> something up in the forest. Oh, my gosh. Why doesn't this exist? I'm saying, how exciting would that be? <laughs> oh, they need to repurpose that and they need to repurpose that now. Yes. I'm Agreed. so on board with this. <laughs> I had to catch my breath there for a moment because it's like, oh my god, yes, yes. <laughs> she's, she's literally fanning her face right now. <laughs> <laughs> we just, oh my god! I would do anything for the Sanderson sisters here so much. So yes, on both accounts, yes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they all break out into spontaneous dance. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, that would be super cool. 
Um, I mean, we've talked about this before, right? We talked about it uh, last year, right before Halloween time as well, because Hong Kong Disney uh, has been doing uh, kind of like this really plussed up version of Halloween where they don't just do like an overlay and a couple of decorations. They set up escape room type situations with like crazy versions of the Mad Hatter and all these other characters that you probably would be afraid of if you saw them in their like quote unquote true fashion. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And if if they set up something like that here in DCA, I think it would be just a fantastic experience because for the most part, a lot of guests of the resort will agree that of the two uh, DCA is really the more you know adult park, right? It it really does cater more to adults, not just because of the alcohol and stuff, which is a whole other conversation we're gonna have later in the podcast, right? But because the attractions, I think, are more geared towards adults. There aren't very many kitty rides. There are some, but not like a lot, right? And uh, I think more people consider Disneyland to be that like childlike park doesn't mean that everybody can't enjoy it it just means that in in the way that walt always saw the park but if dca brought some of those escape room elements over to the hollywood backlot you know they've already kind of started doing that with monsters after dark and all that stuff but if they brought those escape rooms to the hollywood stages I, I like last year when I found out about these, I was super psyched and I was just flipping over it. I think yeah. that would be a huge hit here at California Adventure. And then you plus it by doing what Gavin was suggesting, where you use that forest area. Pff, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you win, Disney. You win this round again. Even if uh, the escape rooms, I mean, if they were to be, you could take Disney twisted. Mm-hmm. I would love to have an escape room, and I know it's not in the same park, but if it were to be in the bayou, and I love the fog, I love the sound, walking through the bayou, and you start hearing these little chants, Mm -hmm. and then you see Facilier and his friends from the other side, I think that would be so much fun. That or you could bring Oogie's uh bring his lab bring his place. Yes. I would love to see all that. Mm-hmm. You know, the casino aspect. You're trying to get through, and you have these cards coming at you. The dice, the bugs. Yes, Disney, just bring them all. <laughs> just bring them all. That would be so much fun. Mm-hmm. It would be cool. What if they had like this tab system, like the food and wine? So every time you want to go, you would use a tab. You would have to purchase them. So yeah. like you could have a limited number of tabs and you'd have to pick which escape rooms you did? Right. Ooh. So you would kind of control the amount of people doing this thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that would work out if they set up more than one. I, I mean, at this point, I would just want Disney to set up one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't even one. care about the multiple. <laughs> I just want like one. Uh, yeah. And I think there's there's a way to do it where it's more like a maze thing. And there's no better time than the present, you know, for Halloween than to give the Disney villains their time to shine. Right. We see oh, them yeah. in like the Halloween parade. We see them as part of, you know, the, the fireworks shows. But, man, if ever there was a, a time to do it, it would be for Halloween where every room is a different Disney villain. And it doesn't even have to be like super scary to the point where you 
portray them as this evil character that's going to like literally kill you in that room it could be more of a psychological thing where you hear the voices and you like mm-hmm. just feel the presence you see shadows and stuff like that in the yep. background and sometimes those psychological experiences are so much more terrifying than the physical ones <laughs> yep yeah. 100% do you guys remember Big Thunder uh, Ranch when they had the little Halloween tent mm-hmm. the little carnival and this points out to the psychological aspect of it where it was a tent. Everybody was in there. You were hearing all these things and you didn't know which villain was going to come out. Oh my if God. they were to bring that back and, and twist it up and make it a little bit more, that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, man. See, I'm glad that Disney listens to the podcast <laughs> 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 because this is gold. I, uh, I think there's a, a lot. Well, maybe there aren't. I mean, do you think there are any other attractions that would benefit from a Halloween overlay? The reason I'm asking is because this year they announced that at Walt Disney World, Pirates of the Caribbean was going to have like a spookier element to it. And not like oh, yeah. pumpkins and stuff like that, right? There aren't. Oh, good. You know, there. yeah, yeah. There aren't going to be like pumpkins and stuff all over the attraction. But they're going to do something where there's going to be a live action, you know, uh, pirate walking around the attraction, interacting with guests as they're sailing through. And it's something called the Search for Gunpowder Pete. So I hmm. don't necessarily know if it's going to be this ghost or something that they're after. Or they're trying to find us treasure or something. But there's a live action element, you know, with the guests hmm. that are experiencing the attraction. Do you think that it's something that they could integrate into an attraction where they jump out and they just kind of scare the living tar out of mm. you? I don't know. I think that's an interesting idea. I think that that on Pirates, you know, a, a person like that could blend in to a lot of those scenes, you know, and just appear to be, you know, one of those pirates, you know, and try and kind of stiffen up their motions a little bit and look like an animatronic and then you know, kind of surprise people by really moving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's that's a and and it's a unique scenario where you actually have human, pretty realistic characters in there. You know, not every attraction has that for you to blend into. So you would have to be like a in costume or something if you were to put a live person in other uh, attractions like didn't they do something with the suit of armor in the haunted mansion at some point? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they did have. Some... <laughs> so funny story. <laughs> if you guys didn't know when the haunted mansion first opened, one of the experiments that they had was a cast member inside of a suit of armor. And you see this as you're first getting into the haunted mansion, right by the endless hallway, the suit of armor would just kind of jump out and scare guests in the doom buggies. And part of the reason that they stopped doing that was because it was so scary to some guests that they were essentially punching and kicking the suit of armor, (laughs) thus hurting the cast member inside said suit of armor. And so, you know, from a from a standpoint of trying to keep your cast member safe, you don't want to do that. So if they did it on pirates, they would have to be at a safe enough distance where somebody's not going to put you in a triangle choke for scaring them. <laughs> right. Which is easy to do because if they're on the shore, you know, there's they're nowhere near close enough for somebody to strike from the boat, right? Right. 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 So that could work. 
but I'm my, my brain's rolling now too, Hazen. So here here here's what I'm thinking. If if they wanted to really do a creepy thing in pirates, they don't do it, you know, on the shore. They do it in the water. And they oh. do it Yes. You know, I'm picturing when you come out of the cave and you enter the the harbor and you see the battle scene, you've got that expanse of black water. Uh-huh. And if something were to just all of a sudden rise up out of that water in front of you or next to you, that would be really creepy. Shark bay boo-ha-ha. You could have, you could have mermaids. You could have an army of skeleton cursed pirates. Something yeah. just slowly rise out of the water and, you know, just be creepy. So Capitan Salazar's army. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Or Tia Dalma. Just all of a sudden rising from the water from behind Barbosa's (laughs) ship. And she just starts like, come with me. Oh, dude. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) How would they reset it fast enough, though? Like, the pneumatics would just have to be spot on for something to happen, though. I agree. I agree. So the only way they could really do it is if they spaced out the boats which they're they're never really going to do because of the capacity they need to maintain although on the other hand that might be a reason to bring in the fast pass because now it's going to be a slower attraction line but i don't think they're ever going to lower their capacity to do it so they're gonna it wouldn't really work unless it was just kind of uh a random thing like you'd never knew if they were going to pop up when you were there or not yeah so like sometimes a few boats will go by without it popping up and then your boat gets surprised by it and maybe they do random spots throughout the ride so that you know no matter where you are in the row of boats you'll see something pop out of the water somewhere Mm -hmm. you know so in that scene maybe a few will pop up and then they'll lower and then the boats that come right after that, maybe they won't see something until the village is burning scene, you know. And yeah. so you could have a few different spots where they come up. And that way you wouldn't have to rely on everybody not seeing the reset, you know, every time. Yeah. I mean, if they did do it popping out of the cavern, then you mm-hmm. have the left and right side where mm-hmm. ideally they can just go back and forth because there's a little bit of a turn where you can't necessarily see out of there when you're concentrating on the new effect that they added with the pirate changing from skeleton to real life. And Hank is down there just chilling, waiting for Dory. <laughs> uh, and so if, if you have the effect just popping out from the left and right at the end of that cavern, I think is a good spot to do it. Or how about this? What if we go back to this whole human element, or at least cast members dressed up, and you implement more black lights in the treasure room Ooh. and in the scene where they have the pirates playing chess or the skeletons playing chess, and mm-hmm. in the background you just kind of see, because of the black light, they're dressed in black and all you see is the skeleton parts, and they're moving around offering you rum in the background. And it's just that added element and movement that you normally yeah. don't get in the scene you know, or there you replace the two skeletons with people in the blacklight suits, and all of a sudden it's like, "How about you play chess with us for rum?" And then boom, it's like, oh. "What? Oh my God, what's like going on?" Actors. <laughs> right? Like they're just yeah. they're just still, and they're just doing the the pose that everybody knows, and then all of a sudden they like both turn at you. Yes, that would creep me out. Yes, 
I mean, it's a perfect <laughs> location because switching lights on and off is super simple, right? So you would yeah. get it so that as you go down the waterfalls, you have the regular lighting. You you hear a little bit of lightning as you're passing by the the skeleton that's at the captain's wheel, right? Mm-hmm. You hear the lightning, and that's essentially what triggers new lighting sequences for the rest of that cavern. And all of a sudden, you're in blacklight territory with all these additional scenes. And if you kind of see them from the other side, it's okay because they're still terrifying. Because if you kind of see them at a distance, you're going to be like, what's going on? What is happening <laughs> over there that has never happened before? Right? Now, or, oh, man, I'm loving this. I would love to see, like, the live actors or just the cast members being next to your boat. For a triangle choke, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but I have a little little story. And it's not a scary story. It's not, a, it's not supposed to be a scary place. But this is on Small World. <laughs> and there's this okay for those of you who've been on small world there's a little tunnel of a transition area that gets you from place uh, country to cu- country mm-hmm. and or location to location not country sorry but so we're in a boat it's a dark little place there's a cast member on the side that just decides to walk past us the whole boat just jumped we just jumped (laughs) why would i jump i don't know but it freaked me out because it was out of the normal so if they could do it on small world they could do it on pirates interesting i say it works not where i thought that story was going i thought you were gonna say like and the kids were singing and they came to life on it's a small world That would be a ride that would be pretty easy to make creepy, though. You know, a lot of people oh, have yeah. that natural kind of fear or or creepy feeling around dolls anyway, and dolls that come to life especially. So if they, like, <laughs> change the song to a minor key and they change the lighting and maybe made the dolls all really twitchy, that could be Add some fog spooky. and some red eyes. It's a yeah. world of laughter. Dim the background <laughs> lights. Like, dim the background lights, but brighten up the dolls a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, ooh, just bring that if up. If you had one of the Disney villains, like Maleficent, say, children, you are under my command. And it's the first thing you hear as you're entering you see, like, the lights dim, <laughs> and all of a sudden the kids have, like, red glowing <laughs> eyes or green eyes to follow Maleficent. Nice. She's like the Pied Piper of It's a Small World. <laughs> Dude, that that be, could be awesome. That would be super creepy, for real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there's aren't there, like, real ghost stories for Disneyland, though? Like, legit ghost stories where... There's oh, so yeah. many fake videos on YouTube where it's like, did you see Walt's ghost walking out of the haunted mansion? And you could clearly tell that some of those are fake. But I, I think, oh, man, I wish I remember what episodes we had talked about it in. But really early on in the podcast, we had mm-hmm. talked about like some ghost stories where people can't leave Pirates of the Caribbean at night and close it without saying, like, good night, George, because apparently George mm-hmm. raises a ruckus like it's the ghost of a former cast member or something like that i forgot what it was mm-hmm. uh yeah. or like timmy the little boy on mansion oh in mansion right and then in yeah. interventions also there's there's also uh, a ghost in interventions. debbie debbie yeah 
So yeah, she's real. <laughs> well, I mean, I think no, it's, I experienced it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm saying it's debatable that all of them are real because I think everyone that has talked about it in some way has experienced. Well, not everyone, but I think the majority of people have actually experienced something that you know they feel that something is there. But mm-hmm. it's just so odd to me how. You know, the, these experiences that you go to these haunts at Universal Studios and like the Queen Mary and all these things. I don't know why certain things are more scary than others. You know, they're, they're just psychologically, they just mess with your head so much more. And so it's like, real ghosts, bring it on. I'm so for it. Oh, fake zombies and makeup. Nope, don't want to do that. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, uh-uh. Well, because a ghost is just going to float by you and maybe make you cold. A zombie is going to eat your brains. Um, A ghost could also (laughs) take over your body. Mm, I haven't had that happen. Not yet. But when it does, you're going to be like, oh, my God, he was right. A demon, maybe, but not a ghost. Oh, that's true. A demon, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're then we're talking about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. That's very true. Because that ride has demons in it. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Well, and that, that that's a good point that you bring up, though, too, because n- I don't feel like all of these overlays that they do really work, right? Like, right. I don't feel like Ghost Galaxy is much of a thing. Ugh, the, it's horrible. The only thing I really like about it is I do like the song. I think it's really cool. Yeah. But other than that, it's like, I'd rather have Hyperspace Mountain yeah. or regular Space Mountain. And I feel like, you know, that one, It. I guess it was a neat concept, the idea of this space ghost monster thing but i hear more questions when i'm on that ride than any other experience at disneyland amid the screens i hear people saying what is that supposed to be yeah and that's the thing that it's not really like a monster or anything i think the way that they describe it is that it's an energy source or something that just happens Mm -hmm. to be in the face of something that's supposed to be scary the music though you are right the music is pretty good in comparison to other soundtracks but my favorite thing about ghost galaxy is um when it goes away I don't care what <laughs> I don't care what it's replaced with. But my favorite thing about Ghost Galaxy is when it goes away. Yeah. I like the outside better than the inside. <laughs> yeah, the outside is cool. They do some cool stuff yeah. there. Yeah. But I mean, on the flip side, I feel like Monsters After Dark at Galaxy or Galaxy at Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> Mission Breakout mm-hmm. works. I think that's a cool, you know, thing that they put in for the season and you know, it's not pumpkins and bats and witches. It's not Halloween, but it just kind of amplifies the scary, which, you know, lends itself to this season. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if they're going to ever do any more, you know, if there are any other attractions that it would actually work for. And I don't know. It's kind of hard to think of anything else that it would work for. Can you guys like, have you thought of attractions that it's like, oh, this one needs a Halloween overlay? Well, now that you've mentioned it's a small world, I mean, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because none of these attractions were ever designed with an overlay in mind. You know, the design of these attractions was made to be what the attraction is as you are experiencing it. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout is the first of its kind, I believe, in that the way that the attraction is staged for you, it was upgraded and plussed up in such a way where making the switch 
from Mission Breakout to Monsters After Dark just takes basically a ride reset. You know, you just you you bring it down for, you know, 30 minutes to 60 minutes. You bring everything back up with a new soundtrack, new lighting sequence. And it's a pro it's a computer program and a bunch of videos that you're watching. Right. So the experience can change every hour if they want. Well, every couple of hours, because it does take, you know, 20 minutes to 60 minutes to bring the entire attraction back up. Right. Even the costumes, it all works. And I really, really love the the intensity of how everything feels inside. I mean, it's great. And for that one, it really works because for Guardians, you're used to seeing them fight all of these different creatures in -hmm. the universe. So I think that was a super simple transition. Uh, The other ones... Uh, oh man, I don't think there are many other ones unless you want to count the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, because <laughs> them heffalumps, dude. Whoo! Like, what's scarier than those things? Oh, um, uh, I keep wanting to call it Tom Sawyer Island, Pirate's Lair. Yeah. Right. What if you had like I a still mini call hunt? It Tom Sawyer. <laughs> well, that, I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's Galaxy's Edge, Jason. Um, <laughs> 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 what if you had like a uh, like a little haunt? Like on the island, right? You add some fog and stuff like that. You have that like wilderness, you know, aspect Mm -hmm. to it. Like just like a DCA, but on a smaller scale. But there's nowhere to run because all there is is water around you, you know. And then off in the (laughs) distance, the shaman is now like a voodoo king or something. Oh, I mean, it can work. Okay. Creative juices are flowing. Yes. Let me lay something on you. Okay. There's an attraction. Uh, I'm kind of springboarding from... It's a small world. There's an attraction Uh-oh. that I think could make an easy, quick turn and become really cool and creepy, and that's the Enchanted Tiki Room. I was I thought you were going to say Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. <laughs> <laughs> no. The Tiki Room. I don't know what okay. they could do there. But the Tiki Room, imagine spooky, creepy songs. They can change the lighting completely. They've already got thunder and lightning and rain effects. Okay. And, you know, I mean, we could bring in black light with hidden, you know, fluorescent paintings that come alive. Okay. I mean, with projection technology, like they could really change that environment. I've been thinking about Tiki Room a lot in the last year or so. and I feel like it's the ride that or the attraction that needs the most attention as far as plusing and updating because I feel like it's running on pure nostalgia at this point. It definitely you know, it's, is. It's not a technological marvel like it was 50 years ago. Today, you know, people expect a little bit more. So, you know, when people who experience it for the first time today go in there, they think, you people are weird. That, that show's just <laughs> crazy. And, you know, so I feel like it needs some updating anyway. And I think they could turn it into something really cool. I think they could, you know, bring the show up and keep it light and and kind of fun, spooky at the beginning. And then it could get really dark and creepy in the middle, like something, you know, lightning could crash and and it could take a real spooky turn. And then they could kind of end it light again so that you kind of maintain that, you know, fun Tiki Room feel. But you give a real spookiness in the middle. I like okay. that. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. 
I'm going to build on your idea now. All right? <laughs> Do it. What was... We're blue skying it, Hazen. Yes, Go for totally. it. Totally. What was the <laughs> raven called that, that was with Maleficent? You remember? Diablo. Okay, so Diablo. Diablo, yeah. Okay, so Diablo comes in and takes over the Tiki Room through Ooh. Maleficent's orders, right? So the Tiki Room just starts off in the Tiki, 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 <laughs> and you see Diablo come in, and it's just like all of a sudden starts talking, right? And it's like, by order of Maleficent, I'm taking over the Tiki Room. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, <laughs> like the lights change, the black lights, like just like you were saying, like you change all the lighting, the black light, all the Tiki gods all of a sudden are angry, and you know, like mm-hmm. you feel like you're going to die, right? And then, <laughs> and no, 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 wait, wow. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Then all of, and this is where the Disney synergy happens. All right, here we go. Then all of a sudden, you start hearing this music, this Polynesian music, and then boom, a projection of Teka appears on one Whoa. side of the Tiki Room, and the lava god is trying to consume you and everyone in the Tiki Room. You're welcome. <laughs> 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 no pun intended either. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, there. I feel like there's tons of opportunity here. You know, the they could have animatronic versions of the four main birds, but as skeletons. Yes. Like bird skeletons. They could even start out as their regular selves, and then the lights go out, and when it comes back, they're skeletons now. Oh, and, God. I mean, man, they could do... They could do so many things with this. They could give us some new songs, you know, way better than Haunted Mansion Holiday, which that graveyard song is terrible in that version. Oh, uh, my heart just broke. Oh, come on. It's chaos. <laughs> it's nonsense. No. Like Grim Grinning Ghosts is a masterpiece. And you get to the graveyard in Holiday, Haunted Mansion Holiday, and I mean, you can't even understand a single word. It's just, it's awful. I'm, I love it, but... That part's awful. Yeah. So they could give us some great, like, Sherman Brothers level songwriting in the spooky tiki room. Ooh, here it is. I got it. Walt Disney's Enchanted Freaky Room. Sold. I'm in. (laughs) Let's do this. I want a shirt. There we go. Let's write up a proposal and send it to Imagineering. Yes, we will do this. We'll make it happen. Next year for Halloween, this will be a thing. (laughs) Rumor (laughs) has been planted. There it is. (laughs) We don't have to report on this one because we started it. (laughs) I could stand by this one. (laughs) Oh, dude, imagine a projection of Teka inside of the Tiki Room just like engulfing everything. Dude, so That can be awesome. Oh, yeah. That would be scary and so good at the same time. I know. I know. People would come out like, <laughs> uh. Right. So the only problem that I foresee is that they would have to address the queue area because there's not much room for a queue. And if they did something this fantastic, that queue is going to go past Jolly Holiday and down to freaking the Penny Arcade. Yeah. Or they would yeah. have to build up like they did for Jungle Cruise. Because we yeah, do have to keep do that. in mind that the Tropical Hideaway is going to be opening as well, which mm-hmm. means there's already going to be a line for the people that are going to be eating at that right. uh, at that vicinity. So, yeah, I mean, they could repurpose the bazaar and just make that a queue that kind of has a bridge that goes over into the Tiki Room. That's true. 
That's true. You know, and instead of loading from the front door behind the Dole Whip station, maybe that's the exit. And now you load in through the back door where people normally exit from. And that's where that bridge, you know, leads into that that back Mm -hmm. door. That's not a bad idea. Hmm. I like it. All right. Well, let's just keep restructuring Disneyland, guys. Okay. (laughs) Sure. Can't expand. Go I know. Yeah, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I'm, like, so excited about that idea. I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so, I mean, let's throw it out to the listeners. If you guys uh, had the opportunity to kind of Halloweenify, that's a word, okay? Whatever. There uh, you go. If you had the opportunity to Halloweenify any attraction, uh, which one would it be and what would you add to it to give it that element of spooky? You know, because I think there aren't, I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody's going to come up with this amazing idea for the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. You know, who knows? Uh, yeah, no idea is going to be silly or, you know, well, well it could be because we, you heard ours. Yeah. But, I mean, I've, it's not going to be wrong. So Yeah, there are I no wrong answers. Exactly. You're perfectly right. On, you're exactly right. There are no wrong answers. That's what the beautiful thing about, you know, blue sky and these things is that everything that we say, any idea we have is right because it's just mm-hmm. an idea. Uh, yeah. You know, at least in our head, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, since we're in the Tiki Room vicinity, uh, let's talk a little bit about yeah. some of the changes that happened this week. What has been one of the biggest problems you've experienced trying to get yourself a Dole Whip, guys? The queue. That line exactly especially on a super hot day you don't want to stand there for six hours to get a dole whip because quite frankly you can have somebody else stand in the line for six hours while you go do something else (laughs) but the wonderful thing that happened this last week is that disney finally announced that the tiki juice bar is getting dole whip fast pass with mobile ordering Yay! <laughs> Fan freaking tastic! Yeah, the glorious thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So as you guys remember, earlier this year, Disney introduced the ability to do this mobile ordering inside of the Disneyland app, which was an absolute game changer. When you Huge. have a big family and you're trying to find a place to sit, sometimes you lose out on those areas because you're standing in a line and. Half the time, your kids don't even know what they want because maybe a cheeseburger, maybe mac and cheese. So the mobile ordering allows you to pre-order your food while you're standing in a queue somewhere. By the time you get out, you check in. Within a few minutes, your food is ready to go, and you've more than likely already found a place to sit by then. Having this at smaller locations like the Tiki Juice Bar and Harbor Galley, that's great because there isn't a lot of space to stand uh, in line for those. And it is mm-hmm. a bottleneck. Uh, like Harbor Galley is a, oh, another yeah. great example. That place is tiny, you know. And when people line up for them lobster rolls, by the way, they have a um, – I don't know if you guys have seen it, but they have like a lobster mac and cheese there thing that like in a bowl. What? Yeah, they have a sourdough bowl with lobster mm-hmm. mac and cheese now at the Harbor Galley. So there's something I think we want to give it a try. Let's wait yeah. until it's not 100 degrees because I feel like that's not a summertime uh, treat. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> <laughs> that's an anytime treat, especially, I mean, look, 
Uh, I don't know if you guys. I think I've mentioned it to you guys, but I'm kind of allergic to some shellfish. Oh yes. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, I eat it anyway because, quite frankly, it's delicious. And so <laughs> I figure, <laughs> look, you can't build up a tolerance if you don't put your body through it. <laughs> All right, that's how it oh, works. Man. It's called training. Look, I come from a family that likes to eat ceviche, and I can't, Hun, yeah. <laughs> I can't have it if I don't train myself. So I have a lot of Benadryl and a lot of stuff to help with the allergic reactions in the event something happens. But it's just too tasty not to have. I'm just saying. You have to have it. The point is that mobile ordering was a game changer when they added it to a lot of the sit-down restaurants. And now that they have it in these smaller locations, I, I think it's certainly going to help with those lines that extend out as you're trying to walk by and the bottlenecks are going to just decrease. Okay, so the reason I don't get gumbo as much in New Orleans Square is because of the line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the time I want it, Fantasmic is going to happen. There's no way to know that I could mobile order and pick that up. So excited. So excited. Mm -hmm. That, or I could go to... um, uh, Idolize uh, snacks and get me a chimmy there. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I could just walk up. I mean, this is awesome that they're doing this. I haven't stood in line. I'm so spoiled. It's awesome. If, if any of our listeners that are at the park frequently don't use that Disneyland app and don't use mobile ordering, ordering I highly suggest it. Give it a try. Yes. You'll notice very first try how much better it is and yeah it i mean i've never waited more than two minutes once i've pushed that i'm here button yeah oh yeah it's incredible it really is like like the bengal barbecue i tried it there and and that's a notoriously kind of slow moving line and it's a really popular snack item it's really the only place you can get real food in adventureland until tropical hideaway opens And so it's always backed up. And that was my very first thing that I used mobile order for. 30 seconds it took. That's it. Yeah. And I was walking off with my skewer and my tiger tails and looking back at that line that I could have stood in for 20 minutes thinking, you guys are so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say what the the most. You're going to wait is what, five minutes? About, yeah. I think that's the longest and that's, we've waited. If you make something that takes them a longer a longer time to oh, prepare yeah. or if you order like for a whole family, yeah, it's going to take a few minutes. But that it's, it's exponentially shorter than you would have spent if you waited in the line. Right. Because yep. when you wait in line, you have the entire time you waited in line. And on top of that, you have the time from when they place your order and they and until they make it right you're essentially cutting back all the additional time from standing in line or getting there deciding what you want because you can decide while you're in a queue somewhere else so you're right it's it's i i don't know why they haven't implemented something like this before here it has saved us a lot of time uh, it's been great because while one of us goes to pick up the food the other one is looking for a place to sit mm-hmm. yeah it's also mm-hmm. important to note that this is not like MaxPass where you have to pay extra to get this service. Right. This service is included. And if you are an AP, it will link your AP discount right to yes. that food purchase. Yes. So you don't have to do any of that. You do it all on the app. 
It's so easy and convenient. They're even doing it, you know, the last time I used it was the last time I was there. And one of the new locations is Bayside Brews in Paradise Pier. Oh, nice. And if you go to that area, that Paradise Gardens area, anywhere around uh, the general lunch or dinner time, you know that every line there is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a, it's, yep. it's packed. And Bayside Brews is definitely no exception. And that line was wrapped around the planter and it, and it switched back over towards Silly Symphony Swings. And it was probably a 20 minute line. And I got on the app, I ordered a beer, got it in 30 seconds. I mean, it was just like that. And I mean, like I said, it's, it's so valuable. It saves you so much time. You can get what you need and then get right back out there and look for that next attraction. Look for that next beer. (laughs) Or that too. (laughs) That's something that's really, really awesome is you don't have to always order a meal. You could just get a coffee. Oh yeah. And you're set. The whole menu is available as mobile. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I will bring this up. Not everything is available on the app. So there's some things like, um, let's say I wanted to go to Jolly Holiday and I wanted to get like a specific coffee. Mm. They could make it specific for you. Like if you wanted half coffee, half hot chocolate, you can't order that on the app. So there are some things you can't do. So some modifications are available. Okay, that makes sense. I'm sure that as more locations are built out for uh, the ability for mobile ordering. I mean, it's already so inconvenient to stand in the line. Do you think it's ever going to reverse that so many people are going to be mobile ordering that it's just going to flip the script and now mobile ordering will be slower than just standing in the line? No, because not everybody uses the app and not a lot of people have APs. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to ever be like that. I hope. I'm going to knock on wood, mm-hmm. but I don't think so. I could foresee maybe some locations where at times that might happen, especially yeah. if there are multiple windows open and they typically only have one mobile window. And you could walk up and see, you know, six people standing in front of that mobile thing waiting for their already placed orders. And maybe two or three of the windows are actually open. Yeah. And there are scenarios where you could walk up and do it faster that way. But, oh, yeah. the you know, that, I think that's going to be a rare occasion, you know, because everything about it is so much more efficient that it's never going to have a real backup. You know, I've every experience I've had, I've had no more than two or three people waiting there with me at the mobile order. And they those just get cranked out, you know, because. Yeah. There's no discussion. There's no, you know, questions. They've already placed their order. The cast members are already building it. And, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, things like language barriers or, you know, questions about discounts or anything like that. It just you've already done it all. And so it's man, it's awesome. And the Dole Whip thing. Golly, that's that's huge. (laughs) What a lot of people were saying is. What a time to be alive for Disney fans because, man, skip that line. It is beautiful. Yeah. I feel like I want to have this conversation again next year in the middle of summer when 200 people are placing a mobile order for a Dole Whip float and see what type of bottleneck it creates in that pathway 
or if it actually is as streamlined as possible. Now, I wonder, okay, so I got a question now. Since there's time frames of when you could pick it up, I wonder if there's a cap per time, like a fast pass. Oh, yes. that's interesting. That's exactly so I what I was going to say. You're you're exactly on the right track. Right now, it always says like the very next window of time. Like it's basically now until whenever. Right. And once more and more people use it, you're going to start to see that time just get pushed out a little when you go to the app. Yeah. So you could look at your choices. You could look at the line for it and say, well, I could stand in this line for 20 minutes and get my food or I can come back in an hour and it'll be ready instantly. It's going to be just like fast pass really. And right now, you know, not enough people are using it that those times are pushed out into the future, like later in the day, but it, there will come a point for that. So it will be interesting Hazen to look at it next summer when 200 people are all trying to order a Dole Whip at once and see how far out that time is. Yeah. If it's noon on a Saturday and you want to order it, and you can't come back and get it until four, maybe you don't order it. Or maybe you stand in the line that's going to take or you Or maybe you stand minutes. in the line that yeah. takes you 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So it, it will come down to choices eventually in that scenario. But it's still, it's just like Fast Pass. It's so much better than wasting your time in a queue if you don't have to. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I think that the more places that roll it out, it's just going to facilitate getting food or snacks or or drinks, you know, regardless of where you are in the park. Uh, You know, since we're talking about it uh, now, you you mentioned using mobile ordering for a beer purchase not too long Mm -hmm. ago. Let's talk about this other really interesting announcement that happened, and that was that galaxy's edge will become the first land at disneyland proper you know outside of club 33 to offer Mm -hmm. alcoholic beverages i mean where do you guys stand on the idea of serving alcohol at galaxy's edge i think in general i'm fine with it i you know i don't have any real you know deep felt problem with it i understand that there's a kind of a different culture so to speak at disneyland and the fact that it has never had alcohol and you know i think a lot of people see that and they they kind of feel like there's this purity of the nostalgia and the history of the park you know where so many other parks in the area including dca and so many parks other disney parks like the disney world parks have it And it's like we've always maintained that this one doesn't. You know, it's kind of like this sacred space almost. And the fact that you can go places like DCA and downtown Disney and have it readily available if you need it, if you want it. You know, you can go get a drink at the Disneyland Resort. But the fact that you couldn't ever at Disneyland, I understand that a lot of people want to keep it that way. You know, and but Galaxy's Edge is going to be, you know off the beaten path quite literally and it's going to be outside the the railroad berm and you know i i don't feel like it's going to really have that big of an effect on disneyland as a whole unless it's the gateway and if it's successful there then they'll expand those offerings to other parts of the park Mm -hmm. then it might start to change that uh culture of disneyland I'm I'm excited, and and it's not just for the alcohol. I am 
just going to say it right there. It's like, don't, oh, don't paint a picture of me like that. <laughs> but I'm excited. One, I want to see this cantina. Yes. Uh, and I know it's not the same one as we've known, you know, in tattooing. But I've been wanting to sit or be in a cantina and have that atmos- atmosphere. I want to have that experience. About the alcohol, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, I don't, I don't see it being an issue because I've heard or actually I've read, I forgot where I read, that they're going to be guarding it and you're not going to be able to take that alcohol outside of that cantina, mm-hmm. which is very good. And I, I, I like that idea because you're going to be limited to that. Um, having to be able to experience having a drink at Club 33, I didn't get drunk. There's no, I would never because one, you're in a really nice establishment. Why would you do that? And plus, you're going to go to Disneyland. Why would you do that? Just an enjoyable one. So that part of me is like, all right, cool. This is going to be a different experience. And I I do understand the other side, the Paris. I understand those who don't want the alcohol or the beer. But I've noticed security is very, very good. They've been really upping their game with any type of situation, I I think they're going to be okay. We're not going to have any issues. And if anyone were to argue, you know, what's the difference between having a drink there at the cantina than getting a drink at DCA and just hopping on over to Disneyland? Mm-hmm. That's where I fall. So I see both sides. I really do. But I'm really excited just to experience this. Just anything new, I'm ex- I'm excited for. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of really great points, Melissa, because, I mean, they've always pretty much served alcohol. But I think Disney in general learned a lot of lessons from things mm-hmm. like Electronica and Mad Tea Party and the experiences that they had with people over drinking at that portion of the park and how to deal mm-hmm. with that type of situation because... Uh, when that first started, you would see a lot of guests that were very belligerent, you know, versus yeah. cast members and other guests. And you don't see it as often as you did before nope. because Disney mm-hmm. has been policing it a lot more. So I think you're absolutely right. You know, they've done a really great job of kind of cleaning up that process. And, you know, to the point that you said, who's to stop somebody from going to Bayside Brews and then Carthay Circle, back to Bayside Brews, and then, you know, to all these different locations to get as smashed as possible. Aside from the the visual of somebody being absolutely drunk or, you know, staggering and whatnot, yeah. that's usually when they step in and they say, hey, look, I think you've had enough. We can't really sell anything to you. And, of course, they'll probably yell and scream, and then Disney security will get involved and escort them out of the park if they have to. But uh, you're right. You know, people can go to downtown Disney, get as sloshed as they want to, and then just walk right into any one of the parks. So Mm -hmm. the fact that cast members have gotten better at noticing those situations where it could pose a threat to a cast member or a guest, that's great. I commend them for that because you were saying, Gavin, if Galaxy's Edge is is just a test case to see how well it's going to do at Disneyland. I'll tell you right now, here's my prediction. It's going to do fantastic because oh, sure. alcohol is the number one seller at California yeah. Adventure and it's going to be the number one seller at Galaxy's Edge. So, 
it, it quite possibly is. I mean, this will open the doors for them to serve alcohol at Tomorrowland Terrace. You know, if you if you have yourself a good burger, you want yourself a good beer. Or if you go to Frontierland, you know, the Cowboys used yeah. to drink beer all the time. Why can't you at Frontierland? You know, you're at Ooh. French Market and you have some like bon frites and you want like a glass of wine or something. Why can't <laughs> you get one? Ooh. You know what I mean? They need, they need little little coconut drinks at tropical hideaway with umbrellas and rum in it yeah i mean well it's something you can already get at the <laughs> disneyland hotel <laughs> yeah right you can already get the dole whip float at the disneyland hotel yeah. wouldn't you be able to offer it you know at the tiki hut now so mm-hmm. i think you're right i think it is a test case and we are going to start seeing more of that in the park it's just the how long will it take for them to roll it out in these other yeah. lands it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when are they going to yeah. roll it out yeah that's probably true i think you're i think you're right about that but i mean i'm looking forward to it just like you said melissa i mean there are some uh, even some of our listeners that i know have experienced the cantina scene for star wars because there is the scum and villainy pop-up you know, oh, in yeah. L.A., yeah. Uh, my brother went to that and he enjoyed it a lot. He says it's super fun to just kind of sit in the Star Wars cantina and have a drink or two and seeing all the people that are cosplaying, you know, as Leia, Luke, Han and Greedo in some cases, you know, and Ooh. they'll they'll <laughs> sit there and they'll recreate scenes and everything. And it's just a fun environment. If <laughs> That's you. Awesome get disney involved and they start implementing some of those ideas into the cantina imagine just kind of seeing these like stage shows as part of your experience Mm -hmm. there i I don't know if that's planned or not but i just think it would be super cool for them to stage these things out where maybe you have like a drunk alien and they're kicking them out or something you know what i mean I feel like they are. I mean, everything that they've told us about Galaxy's Edge is is how interactive it's going to be and how much you're going to be able to take part in the story, you know. And we know that cantinas, you know, from the films are, you know, meeting places for bounty hunters and rogue pilots and whatnot. And, you know, there are many scenarios that they've hinted at where you could go on, you know, the Millennium Falcon mission ride and, you know, receive some instructions from somebody and you know you're supposed to take those later on to somebody in the cantina or somebody somewhere else in galaxy's edge so so there's going to be sort of a bit of a role-playing element which you can partake in and you know i can definitely see them kind of acting things out you know we we kind of have a taste of it with the stormtroopers patrolling tomorrowland mm-hmm. you know i feel like there's going to be more of that in galaxy's edge where you know maybe a bounty hunter will come up and you know ask you if you want to you know pay him to do something or you know if you'll i don't know i think there's going to be a number of scenarios like that you know obviously in the cantina we're going to have music and you know i I think we're gonna definitely hear that uh famous cantina music which we already know and love the interesting thing is that it's gonna be uh, a dj scenario it's not gonna be a live band oh interesting and yeah so they're bringing in uh what's his name rex from from the original star tours oh nice captain Rex. he's got a new career and he is a a (laughs) dj these days and he's gonna be working that cantina in galaxy's edge and i know i will be so happy to see our old friend rex hanging out and just listening to what shenanigans he's gonna have 
to uh, regale us with because you know he's going to have jokes and funny like he's gonna have screw-ups because he's kind of clumsy and whatever (laughs) i think it's gonna be great i can't wait to see him again that's funny uh hey who owned the i don't know if you know the answer to this but who owned the bar on tatooine i've got no idea actually i don't know if it's mentioned in the films and that's all i'm really familiar with is the star wars films i i don't read any of the books or histories or any of that. What so, kind of a know. Star Wars nerd are you, Gavin? I, I you like know movies. Who, you know who would I, know? I love the movies. <laughs> you should ask Jared. I'm sure Jared would know. I bet Jared would know. Uh, the the only reason I'm asking is because in everything that I've read and everything that I've heard, they've really made it a point to say it's Oga's Cantina. And they're right. really pushing the fact that it's Oga's Cantina. So I didn't know if like Oga had like a franchise or something like that where it's like on every planet <laughs> Oga's Cantina is where you go for your galactic drinks. It's the TGI Fridays of space. It's pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's nice. going to be the title of this episode. The TGI Fridays <laughs> of space. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe not. I don't want to get sued by TGI Fridays. <laughs> yeah, no. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> uh, what 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 do they call? It? No, what's the restaurant in uh, Office Space? That's the same thing. Chachkis. That's it. We're gonna have to come up with our own Chachkis then. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. At night, can it become Club Obi Wan? O M G. I was wondering if you guys were going to get that reference. Oh, Dude, that's M- super cool. G. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, see, that's why we need to be part of the Imagineering team. <laughs> I'll do it for free. I don't Not care. me. Well, I mean, hey, to, be, to say I was a part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always said that one of my goals is to be a cast member for at least a day. If being part of the Imagineering team for like a day would get me that badge and, you know, give me that title, then great. I'm all for Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that interactive element at Galaxy's Edge, man, it's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most. But I hear that it's also one of the most challenging things that they're dealing with, especially with the Millennium Falcon right now, because Mm -hmm. the entire idea was for eight people to sit in the cockpit of the Falcon And each one of them was going to control a different part of it. And you had to work together in order for it to fly through space. And if one of you failed, you would crash or something would happen that wasn't part of the story the way that it was written. That was where the interactivity was was happening. And the biggest challenge that they're having is that if you go in with a group of friends, you all know each other. You can all interact with each other. But if you're a single writer... And then you're interacting Mm -hmm. with another group and you can't communicate with them or there's a language barrier or they're not Star Wars fans and they don't know what they're doing. It's going to completely ruin your experience. So I think the challenge that they're facing is how do we cater this to the non-Star Wars fan as much as we do to the, the Star Wars fan that wants it to be interactive? You know? They should probably have skill levels, like different, because they're going to have multiple cockpits, right? It's yeah. not going to be like one Millennium Falcon sitting there, right? I mean, it is, but when you go in, you're going to have multiple cockpits. And so you could have like, you know, let's say if there's six, just to throw a number out there, you could have four of them just be like beginner level. So that's like the everybody experience. So it's limited levels of uh 
rider participation where it's more of you just go in and experience it but then the people that want to challenge can go into the expert level or the ace pilot level or something like that Mm -hmm. and then it's more of a challenge you know where you have to actually increase your skills to actually have a successful mission oh that's interesting i like that idea that it kind of sounds like a little bit maybe a tenth of mission space where right. you have your two people and one person's this, one person's that, and they press a button at a certain time, but you can't really lose. Yeah. Um, because it just happens. So it kind of sounds like that. I like it. You know, to circle back to this whole alcohol conversation so we can close that up, uh, it is interesting to see, you know, that, that they are going to be policing the, the alcohol. I mean, historically... The reason Disneyland didn't have any alcohol was just because that's what Walt wanted. When the entire idea of Disneyland was kind of floating through his head, we all famously know the story of him being at Griffith Park with his daughters and riding around the merry-go-round. And he kind of saw what it was like. And he just thought to himself, look, I want something that's better. I want something where families can go and experience family fun time at a, at a wonderful place that's clean. And uh, at the time, places like Coney Island and these traveling carnivals and circuses were all around the U.S. And the stereotype of the carny, as we you know know it today, where they're always trying to cheat people and there's all this debauchery happening yeah. and stuff, that's what Walt didn't want. Mm-hmm. His idea of having Disneyland was the exact opposite of all of that. Club 33 was designed for him to take businessmen and all these uh, people that were going to help him fund the park, very special guests, dignitaries, political figures and everything visiting you at the park. Of course you want some kind of drink. Going beyond that, it is really going to be interesting because the last thing you would want is to have somebody walking around fantasy land, you know, with a beer. But, you know, going back to this whole gateway thing, if that's truly going to happen, how long will it be before that lime green cup is floating around and we see them all in front of the castle? Yeah, that's oh. that's a fair point. But again, you know, there's the idea of keep moving forward and it's a different era and, you know, there are different taboos or lacks of taboos today as compared to when the original idea was conceived. So, I don't know. I, I think there's... There's, it's an interesting conversation to be had, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you've hit on the key, though. The, you keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that every other park has it, like you said, even DCA, you got to keep up with the times, right? Mm-hmm. Very recently, we had th- that conversation about um, how uh, theme, the theme park industry essentially changed with the opening of Diagon Alley. And how they've realized right. that it's not just for children anymore. That there are ch- that there are adults that love these other properties and products that were in at times just thought to be for children. But our generation is growing up with the love of all of these properties that we are all kids at heart. But we also are adults and love to enjoy the adult aspect of it. I want to hear from the listeners. This is one of those topics where I think we're going to have a lot of different takes, you know, as far as whether people don't or do like it. So if you guys have an opinion on the the idea that Galaxy's Edge is going to be serving alcohol, you know, join the conversation over on Instagram, Twitter or on Facebook. Just search for Podcateers. And we'd love to hear your opinion on 
you know, where you stand on that side of the conversation. And then uh, we'll take some of those comments and we'll read them in a future episode just to kind of, you know, hear what everybody has to say about it. All right, guys. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Cool. I think so. Tacos and beer time. It is the middle of the day. I mean, it's it's lunchtime. I don't I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, it's lunchtime. We got to eat something. Why not tacos and beer? <laughs> I can't think of a reason. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, I think we should close up the podcast so that we can take care of that as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So, this episode of Pocketeers is brought to you in part by listeners just like you guys. We like to call those listeners our fairy godparents, but they like to call themselves the FGP squad. And for as little as $1 a month, you can be a part of the FGP squad by going over to podcateers.com slash FGP. But for a minimum contribution of at least $5, you will also get the exclusive fairy godparent button as a thank you for your support. Uh, The FGP squad means so much to us. If you guys uh, do or don't know the story, kind of the TLDR about it is that some time ago, I didn't know if the podcast was going to be able to continue because quite frankly, uh, I was not in a position to really have it continue and the fairy godparents just kind of swooped in helped us out you know all of the money that comes through via patreon from their contributions helps us with the monthly fees associated with running a podcast you wouldn't know it but it's not free it actually does cost money to run a free podcast wouldn't you know and so our fairy (laughs) godparents have just been super supportive of what we've been doing and we love them for that we truly appreciate all of their support so again if you guys would like to become part of the fgp squad head over to podcateers.com slash fgp for more information Uh, if you would like to help us out in a slightly different way Great way to do that is if you shop on Amazon, head on over to podcateers.com slash Amazon and look for the huge Amazon button that's on that page. Why is it huge? Because it's just funny. I mean, there's really no other reason. (laughs) It's because we just wanted something funny for the page. And what was funnier than having a huge button that you really can't miss when you're scrolling down? If you're looking at it on a widescreen monitor, like seriously, it takes up the whole screen. It's like stupidly big. But if you're on a phone, obviously, it just, you know, it just looks like a big button. But if you use uh, our link, click through, go to Amazon, place your order. Amazon will give us a small commission as a thank you for mentioning them on the podcast. And to everyone that's taking the time to do that, we really appreciate that support as well. So thank you to all of you. And uh, if you want to follow any of us, head over to podcateers.com slash team for all of our personal links. Um I don't think I got anything else. Is that it? Is it taco and beer time? I'm trying to rush this. I think it's fine. I think we're this. about yeah. there. All right. So, <laughs> all right, guys, that's going to be it. Again, join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram, and on Facebook. Nope. Said that twice. I really want lunch. <laughs> <laughs> or you really or, want people to go to or Facebook. Or I really want people to go to, yeah, one of the two, right? <laughs> all right. That's it. We're done. Until next week, here is two beers. Cheers and Mickey ears. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. Made you look. Ha, 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 ha.